Good morning and welcome to our Bible readings and our sermon from St James's Church. Uh, and before we start, happy St James's Day. Uh, today is our patronal festival uh, and we're celebrating here at church. Um, we'll talk more about that later, but first let's begin with our Bible readings. Our first one is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20 and verses 20 to 28. It says this, Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favour. What is your request? he asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honour next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 27, reading to chapter 12, verse 3. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we come to consider God's word, let's pray for his wisdom and guidance. Father God, thank you for speaking to us through your word. And we ask you now to fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we might hear your voice speaking to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, let's have a think about uh, St James, about what these stories tell us about him, uh, and what they tell us about God, uh, and what God might want to be saying to us as his Church of St. James in Alperton. Now, uh, the first story is is really familiar to me. Uh, it seems to come up in our readings a lot, and that's partly because it occurs more than once, uh, by which I mean it happened once, but it's recorded by Matthew and it's recorded by Mark. Um, now, that's where you get one of these interesting discussions in the in the Gospels, because Matthew tells this story differently to Mark. Uh, 
Matthew has James and John's mother coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I would like you to do something for me. Uh, Mark hasn't got uh, James's mum at all. Mark just has James and John coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, when you come in your glory, can one of us sit at your right hand and one at your left hand? Now, uh, some scholars basically think that, uh, well, that they believe Mark, that Matthew has a, a higher view of the disciples than Mark did. Uh, he is writing a generation after Mark. And so he wants to protect the disciples a little bit. He wants to uh, soften some of their sharp edges. Because this is a sharp edge. Jesus is on his way to be executed. He's going to give his life. And what's on James and John's mind? Who gets the best seats once Jesus' kingdom comes? And so uh, whether it's their mum who asked for them mm -hmm. uh, or them who asked themselves, the result amongst the rest of the disciples is really clear. They are outraged. Now, there is a question. Are they outraged because James and John have asked for the places of honour uh, at Jesus' left and right? Or are they outraged because James and John have asked for places of honour before they could? Or before, when they felt didn't feel able to, but they'd really have quite liked to. It's always an interesting thing. I'm one of those people uh, who doesn't ask for things that they want. Uh, I'll tend to sort of sit and hope that someone will realise that um, I look hungry and, and would like to be offered seconds of whatever it is we're eating. But um, it's never come naturally to me to say, oh, yes, could I have that, please? James and John clearly know such problems. There's going to be, obviously, um, tables sat at uh, when Jesus' kingdom comes, there's going to be a place of honour. Uh, places next to Jesus, the ones that he listens to, the ones that he talks to, the ones that everyone can see are, are his uh, right-hand, left-hand men, and they want that to be them. So they go straight to Jesus and say, Lord, it should be us, shouldn't it? Um, and it's important to recognise, not to slate them, not to say, oh, James and John, aren't they awful? But that's a human thing, that actually we all want to be recognised for the gifts we've got, the skills we've got, for what we bring. Uh, we would all love to be honoured, to be respected, to be given a place where people will see, oh, look, it's them. Aren't they fantastic? That's, you know, let's listen to what they have to say. That, that's a human, a human attribute. But Jesus turns around and says, really? Really, you want the places of honour. Does that mean that you can drink the bitter cup that I'm going to drink? And the both of them go, oh yes, absolutely we can. And the Holy Spirit must just whisper something to Jesus at that point because he has this moment of, of clarity. Uh, he has this moment of insight where he says to them, well, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup by which that's a sense of James's forthcoming death um, and the fact they would both be persecuted and martyred for their faith in Jesus. He says, you will be, you will drink the cup that I have, but 
that doesn't mean you get to sit in my right hand and my left hand. That's not for me to give. My Father in heaven is in control of these things. He has the authority. He has decided. Instead, I need you to understand that you're not meant to be like the rulers of this world. You're not meant to be like Boris Johnson. You're not meant to be like Julius Caesar. You're not meant to be like a regular ruler, a regular leader who abuses their power, who lords it over other people. He says, I have this power, therefore you will do this for me. He says, if you are my servants, you are here to serve other people. You are here to be a blessing to other people. You are here to follow my example. Uh, because even the Son of Man, excuse me, uh, came to be served, and came to not to be served, but to serve. Now, that's our first snapshot of James. Headstrong, called uh, him, he and John were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, um, and pushy, willing to, to ask for something ahead of other people, willing to say, oh, I'd like that, let, let me have that, please, um, regardless of the consequences. So that is our James, our St. James. Then you have our Acts reading where you hear about uh, what the church is going through. The church is, uh, is going to be dealing with a severe famine. Uh, these prophets come to Antioch uh, and they speak to um, the church there. And the church decides, oh, we need to support our brethren. We need to send gifts so that they can buy food. They can support themselves uh, in this time of need. And they send their gifts with Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. And about that time, Herod decides that he's going to throw his weight around uh, and he's going to arrest some of the leaders of the church. So he's looking around for who is a leader, who stands up, who does everyone recognise as being part of this new group, this new sect of Judaism that's causing so much trouble. And he picks out James. Of the 12, James is the first to be martyred. Uh, and so he's arrested and he's killed with the sword. Uh, and it's when Herod sees that actually that makes people really happy, he goes and arrests Peter as well. But he arrests James first. Clearly, uh, by this point, James has, has an authority which he was seeking back in the Gospel reading, back when he was following Jesus around. He wanted to be a leader. He wanted to be first. And yet we see in Acts that he is first. He is in a position of responsibility, a position of authority, so that when the church is persecuted, James is persecuted first. Now, Luke gets very quickly onto the next bit of the story, which is that Peter's been arrested and Peter is miraculously saved. Uh, an angel comes and lets him out of prison and, and he comes back to see the rest of the people while they're still praying and they don't, they're not expecting to see him, they shut the door in his face. So there's an amazing story of what happens to Peter, but it all happens in the context of James being gone. James is already lost at this point. James has already been martyred. Now, what was interesting for me was we, we mentioned St. James back in our Lent course. We looked at pilgrimage and we looked at all being on a journey. And St. James has that uh, picture of the scallop shell which is this picture of pilgrimage because all the lines on a scallop shell, they all start in different places, but they lead to the same place. Uh, 
which for pilgrims, wherever you start from, you're travelling towards Jesus. And St James is seen as being the patron saint of pilgrims. And yet that's odd, isn't it? If you think about it, St James started on the Sea of Galilee and by the end of his life he's made his way to Jerusalem. Now you compare that to Paul who starts in Israel, he's in Jerusalem, he travels to Damascus in Syria, he comes back, he then goes to Antioch in Turkey, uh, he then travels through Europe into Greece, uh, he finishes up in Italy uh, at Rome. You think Paul travels far more than James. James hasn't travelled any distance at all. And yet you look at our two passages and you realise that actually James has travelled. James has gone from being someone who is uh, concerned about his standing, concerned about where he will sit, concerned about what he's going to get. And he has followed Jesus and he has grown and become someone who, who takes responsibility for others, who serves others, who is who gives his own life when they come looking for people to arrest and persecute. James goes with them. James is put to death. James is a different person. Albeit the same, but James has, has developed and grown and matured by Acts chapter 12 from this impetuous boy, this selfish boy, that we see in Matthew. Now, he's a patron saint of pilgrims because uh, church tradition has it that he was uh, he was buried in Spain. And actually that uh, when his tomb was discovered, it became a site of pilgrimage. Uh, and the, the Camino Way uh, has been a, a, a journey for pilgrims for, for centuries now, uh, especially the 10th, 11th, 12th centuries. And so, I mean, I have friends who've done the uh, the Camino Way, and it's a place where people come to to journey and be more like Jesus, to be made more like Jesus, to become more the people they want to be. So James himself never travelled, but he changed. Now, for us at St James, we have we've been talking about journeying. We were talking about being a people on a journey that Alperton is not our home. Our home is in heaven. But actually, it's not about where we physically find ourselves. The issue is the journey that we are on to become more like Jesus. That's what we've been made to do. We've been made to be filled with his spirit, uh, to learn from him, to focus our eyes on him, and to grow, to mature, and to be transformed to be more like him. Now, I, I'm sorry if I bore you with it, uh, but when we talk about salvation, there's always uh, three types of salvation. Salvation is past, present and future. Salvation is something that has happened. Jesus died for us on the cross and because of his death, we are saved. In the future, we will be saved completely and fully and utterly as we are with Jesus in heaven. But now, in the present, we are being saved. The Holy Spirit is doing his work of transformation in us and making us more like Jesus. 
So St. James is our uh, patron saint. He's who our church is named after because we are all on a journey as James was on a journey. Whether our journey started in the Caribbean or in India or in Sri Lanka or in Cricklewood, as some of us have, the lesser travelled, have come from. That doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter where we're going to. Uh, today, we're giving thanks for the ministry of Amelia. Um, we're giving thanks for uh, Jeff Lumley, who has moved out of Alperton for the first time in his life after so many years serving God at Twyford and at St James. And we're always sad as people move on. But it's not important where they are. It's what's important is what God is doing in them. And for each one of us, the question is, what is God doing in us? What is he teaching us? Can we look back and see a time when we were different from how we are now? Can we see evidence of God's work in us that we are more like Jesus now than we were before? Now, I'm not asking this question to bring condemnation to anyone, but just to say, this is God's will, that we be made more like Jesus. And actually, the positive, that's not about doing more good things and less bad things. It's so much more than that. It's about our character being different. It's about having more patience. It's about being filled with more peace, having more hope being able to experience the love of God and share the love of God in a deeper way. It's knowing God's joy in our hearts. It's having more self-control in the way that we live our day-to-day -day lives. There, there is so much to it that God is at work, not, not to cure our bad habits, but to enable us to shine Jesus' light more clearly, wherever it is that we are. I'm so, I'm always so delighted to see uh, St James, to see what God is doing at St James and to see the different things that he is doing. And people at St James are so humble. They don't like to say, oh, yeah, God is in me. God is changing me. God has moved things in me. But God is so at work. The challenge for us is to let him, which means giving him time. It means taking time each day to read the Bible, not the whole thing, a few verses, a section. And then to pray, to not to give him a list of the things that we want, but to sit, knowing that he's with us, to be in his presence. And to notice the way he guides our thoughts, what he brings to our minds, which parts of the Bible that we've read he really makes pop out to us from the page. To talk to other people about our faith, whether they are Christian or not Christian, but to share what God is doing in us. These things become easier and we get more out of them the more we do them, the more we practice them. James travelled without going very far at all. So 
whether you're one of those members of St James who hasn't travelled very far, or whether you're one who's come from a completely different part of the world. That's not the important thing. The question is, what is God doing in you? How is God moving you on? And how are you being made more like Jesus? And sometimes the easiest thing to do, rather than looking at yourself, is look at other people. Look at your brothers and sisters and see if you can think, how have they changed? How have they been made more like Jesus? Tell them. And then as we each do that for each other, people might be able to share with you how they see that you have become more like Jesus. And that will encourage you and build you up. Because we are all journeying like James, but we're doing it together. So let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and let's encourage one another on the way. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the example of James. Thank you for um, your kindness in letting us see um, his journey, seeing his imperfections, seeing where he struggled and how much he grew. Would you speak to us again today? Help us to see where you have grown us, where you have changed us. Give us eyes to see in our brothers and sisters at church where they have grown, how you have changed them. And give us courage to share what we see. That as a community, we would be encouraged as we journey together to be more like Jesus. We ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen. So, uh, if you are listening to this and it is before 12 o'clock, you are still very welcome to come and join us on this St James's Day for our barbecue at St James. Uh, we are, it's mostly outside, we've got some gazebos up in case the rain comes. Uh, we're going to share some food and we're going to give thanks for Reverend Amelia's ministry. She has been such a blessing to us and we want to send her on her way with our prayers and with our very best blessings. Uh, we've also got some of those who have moved away um, during the, the pandemic um, and we weren't able to pray for them to bless them as they went. They're coming back to be with us for this day. Uh, that's Ajit and Tripti, Angela and his family, uh, James and Vanya Salter, their new baby girl Rebecca uh, and of course Jeff Lumley. Um, so if you'd like to say goodbye to them, to see them, to pray with them, uh, you are so welcome to join us uh, between 12 o'clock, probably around 2 o'clock. Uh, at church. Let's say it will mostly be outdoors. We're going to try and keep uh, COVID safe that way. Um, but please do, if you, as you need, wear a mask. And uh, certainly if you're coming inside for our service, uh, you'll need a mask. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop rambling on. Have a lovely day and I will speak to you soon. God bless.